This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Flats Class is one of those brands that's always been there to teach you how to fish. And we think that's where our legacy will always go because, you know, Eventually, I'll come to the reality. I'm a 15-year veteran on, on linear TV, traditional television, but I also know digitally is where the future is. This is Captain C.A. Richardson, and this is the Tom Rowland Podcast. Hey, everybody. One of the most popular guests we've ever had on the show is C.A. Richardson from Flats Class. There's a reason why. He's an awesome guy. He's great to talk to. He's fun. He has a tremendous amount of knowledge, and he loves to give it to other people. He's on Waypoint TV. He's doing a lot of stuff with his Flats Class University and with his original show, Flats Class. We're going to get to talk to him today, catch up, find out what he's been doing since the first time we had him on the show. And we're going to do that right now. So here is Captain C.A. Richardson from Flats Class. Okay. C.A., how you doing, buddy? Man, I haven't been better. I mean, life's good right now. It really is. It's been a busy year. Guiding is is that it's all-time crescendo. Even during the wintertime, I feel like I'm out on the water at least four to five days a week. And this is typically my slow time. Yeah. Well, I know that you spend some time in Louisiana. Um, how does your year shape up? Like, what? Where do you have seasons and places that you go and you chase the fish around a little bit? I do. Um, have rod, will travel has always been my motto, uh, especially in the last decade or so. So what I do is, is the winter months, the coolest months. I actually like staying home. We're around the holidays, so I do a lot of backcountry fishing here along the nature coast anywhere, basically from Hernando Beach all the way up to the Lower Suwannee Refuge. And then when we move into the spring, I'm still fishing here, but I'm starting to cheat a little bit and going a little further south to do some tarpon fishing with certain clients until it gets into full swing in May and June. 
after May and June passes and we get to the July 4th holiday, I usually come home and take a respite for a week or so and then go to ICAST. But in this <laughs> era, we're not doing ICAST anymore, so I don't have to worry about that. So I get an extra 10 days. And then I do. I jump in the truck, load all the gear up, and I head right out to Plaquemines Parish. And I do that trip out there. And I'm usually out there for a good six weeks with Ryan Lambert at the Cajun Fishing Adventures Lodge. So I hang out there close to Venice, Louisiana. So I'm, I'm out there through the rest of the summer. September comes, I come home. Uh, I'm burned out and I don't want to fish. <laughs> By then I'm burned out. I don't want to fish. We're usually in the height of hurricane season at that point. So I'm usually just hanging out, doing stuff that's been neglected around the property. That's why I got my gloves with me today. I, all I did was step in out of the yard and be able to do this with you. Uh, take care of the property a little bit for that month. Um, enjoy my pool finally. And then, um, and then once we get close to Halloween in October and things like that, I like being home. Um, I guide a lot around Crystal River in October and November. It's it's great fishing here, especially for all three species, speckled trout, redfish, snook, uh, and the occasional cobia, you know, a triple tail around some of the crab pots when the stone crabbers put them out. So I have a great fishery here. Some of the younger guys, uh, Brandon Branch and Jeremiah Carlucci and, and, and Adam and some of those guys, They'll let me jump aboard their boat, and they'll take me out there and do some of that inshore grouper fishing that I don't nice. get to do as much in my little boat. But, Is that gags um, grouper for the most part? It's gags, yeah, yeah, a lot of gags. And do they troll and, for uh, them? Do you do you ever, do you ever troll they, for them? They do. They do a number of things. They troll for them. We crankbait for them. Uh, we throw big plastics on rigging hooks for them. And, and and mind you, we're only fishing anywhere from six, seven feet of water up to about twelve feet of water. Now, some of the guys go a little further than that. But I mean, we're literally within eye shot of the Crystal River, um, you know, the nuclear plant that they decommissioned. Uh, so it's it's easy fishing. Yeah, um, it's easy until you hook one, and right. then once you hook one, then then you feel like you got electrocuted. It's all you can do to, yeah, to hang a, on. To that's that's such a great fish. I mean, you, you have bass fishermen or, or people that like you know that type of fish, snook fishermen. You know, kind of an ambush kind of fish, but I don't know if you're going to get a harder strike than a, than a gag grouper. I mean, they come out of that hole and especially if you're trolling for them because man, they come out and then turn around and go the other way. And man, that's a, that's a, a hell of a, they're strike. a bull, they're, they're a bulldog dude. Yeah. I mean, you gotta be ready for it. You gotta have some equipment too. I mean, you gotta be quick to that reel handle and quick with that rod up and reeling like crazy. You know, you don't do anything but lean back and reel as fast <laughs> as you can. Sometimes you're running to the front of the boat to try to make sure make sure that you can handle it. But I'll tell you what, it is an incredible fishery here uh, for a portion of the year when the water temps are right. And these guys make a good living, uh, these local guys around here doing it. But, yeah. you know, I'm at that point in my career, Tom, where I like to do the sight fishing. I call it the booger woods fishing in the back and pushing a little skiff around and I'm happy doing that. Yeah. I'm really, happy. well, it's also nice to get a little variety. You don't have to guide for it, but like you say, you can jump on a friend's boat or something like that and get out there and get some variety. That's pretty cool. Um, with all that, uh, that's a pretty heavy fishing schedule. Where does that leave your filming schedule? It's, it's a challenge because, uh, colorblind media does all of our stuff. Cabin brothers and his team of guys are, they're incredible. I mean, they're younger guys, uh, it it's amazing the generation gap between myself and them because there's so Tom, there's so many references I'll make. And, you know, I'm a big John Wayne and Clint Eastwood fan and, and I'll make these references and they go whew, right yeah. over their head. They didn't even get it at all. I'm like, dang, I didn't even get a reaction. 
Yeah, <laughs> on a classic, like a super but, classic. But 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 all that being said, these guys are really good at their job. They're always looking for a new angle, a new a new gimmick, something that's going to make the show a little bit different. And they keep me sharp. They really do. These younger guys, they keep me sharp. We do some really killer stuff with half in, half out, underwater drone footage, slow mo. Uh, and when all that's being done, I keep telling them, let's slow down, guys. Remember, my mantra is to teach people how to catch fish. I need it to be pretty, but it doesn't have to be pretty all the time because they do this cinematic stuff and I was, and they don't want to stop doing it. And I was like, no, 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 we got to stop. Let me do, let me do some teaching now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a, there's got to be a balance, but that is that is good to to get those guys to to keep you up to date. Now, where does your son fit into the to the program? Cameron does a lot of the marketing for flats class and he does a lot of the licensing stuff that we do with some of the tackle stuff that we're doing. You know, we've, we've got uh, a number of, 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 I guess, sanctioned baits with mirror lore and Z man. And now we're going to start working with bugs fishing on some bucktail stuff, uh, aqua dream spoons, and we're going to come up, you know, with pliers and fishing tools and things like that. It's not so much for us to think that we're going to be a tackle retail outlet online one day. That's not the real ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is the branding part of it, to let people know that Flats Class is one of those brands that's always been there to teach you how to fish. And we think that's where our legacy will always go because, you know, eventually I'll come to the reality. I'm a 15-year veteran on, on linear TV, traditional television. But I also know digitally is where the future is. Mm-hmm. And uh, so now I'm making more of a concerted effort to, to spend more of my time doing stuff for Waypoint Television and more of my time with YouTube and Amazon and, and things of that nature, knowing that that's where I'm probably going to live. I mean, my ultimate goal is, is to be like Bill Dance and be able to, to, to gracefully age and teach our audiences the entire way because... We have a, a, a big group of fans that are younger, younger kids and uh, and guys that are in their 20s and 30s. And then we we have the, the group that I appeal to the most. What I like to say is the guy who's from 45 years old to 65 years old who only wants to fish artificial and they're hardcore technical fishermen. So uh, right now we have some broad appeal and I want to I want to stay on that path. I want to stay relevant with the base that way. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we do what we can. We can. I know one thing. If you don't change and you don't adapt, you will go away. Yeah, for sure. That's one of the things that that I was interested in talking with you about today, because it does seem like um, a few have. But you you have definitely embraced this. I don't know what you call it, new or alternative kind of media. Um, You're one of the, the first people on Waypoint. You've you've done a lot of different. Um, stuff on all the different platforms and you've got this whole flats class university thing going on. I want to talk to you about that because well, uh, that's, you're, you're doing a really good job of, of kind of staying on the television, this, the, the traditional television path, but also embracing this other world. And that's what it is because the rules are all different. The di- everything's different and just kind of wondering how you, you know, after it's been about a year really of, of going hard at it and just kind of checking in, seeing how everything's going with that. Well, a lot of that credit goes to Cameron. Yeah. Uh, Cameron's youth and his ability to plug into what the new norm is. 
And the analogy that he uses, Tom, is every day that goes by Pops, because that's what my name is mm. to him, is Pops. Every day that goes by Pops, one of you guys go away and one of these new guys come in. And that's a stark reality. He said, and the only way we can change that is if we take a multi-pronged approach. If you continue just to be a television personality for the rest of your career, you'll still be successful and you'll, you'll go so far, but it'll eventually lose its relevance. But if you have a podcast, if you have a YouTube form um, that you can use on Waypoint as a teaching thing with the fishing courses being more virtual instead of people having to show up in person, which who would have guessed that he was yeah, way out of the no game kidding. with what's going on this year. And, and then, you know, you can still do your live schools eventually and you'll still have your television platform and, and the YouTube channel has been growing like crazy. And a lot of that is the consistency and frequency of the content that we put on there. But a lot of that stuff we're putting on Flats Class University. We'll shoot something for Flats Class University and then just take little pieces of that and eventually mm -hmm. disseminate it through YouTube um, just so that we have more material on there all the time. But people are hungry and thirsty for knowledge. And uh, this year is crazy. I, I mean, I, I would love to swear because people don't understand how much I enjoy swearing. Oh, I you mean, can swear. I, <laughs> I really enjoy swearing. But this has been a real shit circus this year. I mean, like unbelievable shit circus. So to me, there's been more people that have been infused into the outdoor segment. People that are just novices just getting in. They all of a sudden they said, oh, let's go paddleboarding. This stand up paddleboarding stuff's cool. Then they realize that they have a friend that stand up battleboard fishes. And then the fishing aspect comes in. Well, we have put a ton of people in the outdoors now. So now it more than ever, the screen times are up. People are watching stuff a lot more. And we wanted to take advantage of that. So if I have a day off, Tom, I mean, today my wife's got me working out <laughs> here. But if I have a day off, typically like tomorrow is not a guide day, but tomorrow is a YouTube day. So I'll be outside doing a few, you know, entry level videos. And then I'll, I'll go out to the water and we'll shoot some stuff on the water to give it, you know, some life so that we're moving around and it's not boring talking head stuff. But I mean, that's my job now. My, my job basically is, is I'm a content creator and I'm realizing that down the road, as I age out as a professional fishing guy, I've somehow remained in decent shape. I know you're a fitness nut, but me, honest to God, there are some days when this thing has beer in it. <laughs> so I'm not a fitness nut. The only exercise I really get is working in my yard or push pulling my boat. That's it. But I do not sit around. I'm not a sit around guy. I just don't do anything else physically other than just work. Yeah. So being a content creator and knowing that the guide years are going to eventually go away. Um, this is going to give me something to do all the time is creating content. And, and I'm wanting to do some more mainstream content. One of the, the benefits, you know, not to monopolize the whole podcast talking about me, but um, if my wife got me a smoker, I've got my fire disc and I've been doing a ton of outdoor cooking. I mean, I've been, I read, I, I watch more YouTube, not about fishing. My YouTube stuff is all about how to smoke a brisket. You know, yeah. how to make better pork chops. You know, that's that's what I do now. Yeah, that's well, it's kind of interesting. Like when you when you have a 20, 30 year guide career and and then you you acquire some new habits or 
or you have this secondary habit that you've had all along and you never really talked about it, like cooking or fitness or whatever. And it's like, now you have this platform to where you, you're expected to create content. And it's like, well, what, what am I excited about? And if that's cooking, then that's yeah. the natural thing. And it's kind of, it's kind of, um, you know, a, a complimentary, I mean, it's certainly a complimentary thing. People that like to, to, to hunt and fish. I mean, who doesn't like to, to cook like, or, or have good cooking. Many people don't like to cook, but lots of people love to eat good cooking. And, uh, that's a, that's become incredibly popular, especially as the smokers and the, and, and all the outdoor cooking has gotten better and easier to do. Oh, it, it makes it, for it's great gotta content. be easy if, if, if I'm doing it. And it creates, <laughs> if, if you right. are, <laughs> if, if I'm doing, if I'm doing it's it, it's gotta be pretty dang easy. <laughs> Yeah. And, 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 you know, one of the sidebar things, uh, Tom, that's come out of this is, you know, I represent a brand like Papa's Pilar now. Um, and, and I represent the Florida company. And, and these are brands that are everyday more, more wide lens mainstream brands. And it's, it's kind of, it's kind of fun because now I get to do a lot of lifestyle videos or lifestyle photograph stuff and include my wife. Like, the whole Captain and Blondie thing just took off, dude. I mean, it just, and, and I didn't do anything to perpetuate it. That's my pet name for my wife. And uh, now there are drinks at some of our watering holes called the Captain and Blondie. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There could be an intervention for me down the road. I don't know. My <laughs> rum habit, but, um, but all things being equal, it is kind of cool how people have kind of tuned in to, 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 to saying, Hey, we enjoy that lifestyle. I'm glad you're part of it. And, and you give us something to, 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 you know, kind of follow along, you know, because a lot of people, they have let this pandemic type thing, like really get to them mentally oh, and, yeah. and it's affected their lives um, in, in such a big way. They don't go anywhere. They're frightened. It's scared. You know, it's scaring, you know, especially older people and, you know, and I, I try to, I try to tune all that out, dude. I don't watch the news. I don't watch television. I don't watch anything like that. I, I, I can't even tell you the last time I watched a football game or anything like that. I just don't watch anything to do with television. Well, I, I noticed all. last night when I was checking in with you, I noticed that you put your Monday night fishing right over the top of the national championship football game. Yeah. I was kind of yeah. wondering what the, I was, I wanted to tune in and see how many people you had there, but I mean, there's a lot of people that don't, don't care anything about, you know, I mean, they're into what they're into, but I did try to watch the the football game, but they put it on too late. I only watched the first quarter. I, I mean, yeah. I went to Alabama, so it's like yeah. I'm supposed to my, be a huge my, Alabama fan, but I'm probably the worst Alabama fan there is. I kind of yeah, I dropped out in the first quarter and went to bed. If I squint, your shirt almost looks like a houndstooth shirt. It, right? could, it could, it could, it <laughs> could. I've had a houndstooth shirt in in the past, but well, my, uh, my my dad's from Birmingham, and oh I, yeah, and I've I've got to meet a lot of Alabama players um, through the years um, that came through there, and, uh, and 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 I appreciate the tradition and everything that to do with Alabama. Alabama has a has a place in my heart just because my mamma was from there and we spent tons of time there, um, but I don't know I. It's just I don't I don't like getting political or anything like that. It's just been a it's been a tough year to be a fan of anything to do with media. So I I've just totally tuned it out. And and to my benevolence, my property looks freaking awesome. Yeah. I wish I could just walk you around out there. I mean, I've gotten so much stuff done. 
And I've spent more time creating content. And, and I realized um, that sports was a habit. It was a true habit that it's hard to break and it kind of takes eats up a lot of your time. And since I have just checked out of that, I've I've been I've been and just fine. And then I and I don't worry about all the other stuff because there's it's stuff that I can't control. I mean, if you just use good common sense, wash your hands and don't do crazy stuff, you're not going to get sick. Right. I mean, eat healthy, take your vitamins. Um, uh, well, I get so much vitamin D because I'm outside every day. But I mean, it's it, it, it's just it's just common sense stuff. I, I just I don't I don't see it. Of course, I do live in kind of a rural area, so I'm not nearly affected as someone that might live in Miami or Charlotte or Charleston or or uh, Houston or something like that. But yeah, kind of insulated where I am. Glad I am. I, well, I bet. But, you know, I, I thought exactly the same thing that you did, like. You know, I'm kind of a germ freak, especially around flu season. I don't like, I mean, I got the flu about five years ago and it was, well, it's probably been more than that. It's probably about seven years ago. I got it seven years ago and eight years ago, two years in a row, almost on exactly the same day. And then I was like, man, that is terrible. I'm not getting that again. So I, I, I've i gone, you know, for the flu shot again and don't get the flu shot. I don't know which is better. Um, some years I don't get it and I don't get the flu, but I do. I did develop this hand washing habit of like, and I don't touch food before I wash my hands. I don't care if I've just been around the house. Like I wash my hands a lot. And um, and I am very careful about like just keeping distance. And and I got to say that, you know, the handshaking thing, like I'm a Southern gentleman and I like to shake people's hands and stuff like that. But if that goes away and we go to kind of uh, more of a, I don't know. You could have a, a sign of respect, like you know, a bow or a, or a knuckle, a knuckle bump or an elbow bump. That doesn't really hurt my feelings because some of the sickest, the sickest I think I've ever been is when you go to one of those big shows, like like the Miami Boat Show. I cast. Um, there was this one that I went to in California, and it was the International um, Sportsman's Exposition. There, I don't know if you remember those things that were around. I do. They may be around. I used to teach fly casting there and they took me all the way out to California and I'm in, um, San, there was one in, um, like just South of San Francisco, San Mateo. And then there was one in San Francisco and I went to the San Mateo show and somehow I caught the worst flu there is. And by the time I got to San Francisco for the next weekend, I was so sick. I was so sick and I, my roommate was a, you know, a, somebody in the fishing industry too. And he took one look at me. He's like, I'm getting my own room that you look terrible. And, you know, I would just hang out in that room. I would go and do my fly casting demonstration and I would come home and uh, no hanging around or anything. That's the sickest I've ever been. But what I'm getting at is I developed this big hand washing habit and trying to keep you know, real healthy habits, but I got COVID and uh, tested positive for it. And I didn't have very many um, symptoms. I, I never had a fever. I never um, lost my uh, sense of smell or taste, but I did feel pretty rotten for a couple of days. And, um, and I got the test and it came back positive and I was shocked. I really was. I was shocked. Well, well, a lot of those like PCR tests and things like that, they'll pick up a positive COVID, even if you have a common cold. I know. And and there's a lot of people that, that had COVID that didn't really have COVID. They right. had something else, but I will, I will tell you this. I have been an anti-vaccination flu shot guy forever. Really? I'm, 
I'm, I'm 56 years old. I've gotten one flu shot in my entire life. And that's because the hospital said it was to my benevolence to do it because I was having surgery. So I went ahead and did it. It's the only time I've been sick. That, that year. I can say honestly <laughs> sick with the worst flu I've ever had. You know, I'm not saying I don't get a cold every now and then, but that's the sickest I've ever been is when I got a flu shot. So when people, there are people that will ask me, well, what's your feeling about what's going on? Are you going to get vaccinated? I go, no, I'm not going to get vaccinated. I mean, I've been around people and crowds. I have not avoided anything. I've not taken any precautions other than the fact that I wash my hands. Um, I mean, where I live, we don't even really wear masks in restaurants or anything yeah, like really. that. And I'm not sick. Yeah. No, there, there's no mask. There's no mask here. The only time you see anyone with a mask is if they're fishing out here. That's about yeah. it. Yeah. We've been but, wearing uh, masks for years. Um, yeah. You know, yeah we, we were, we were masked. But the, uh, but, but the reality is, is I believe that there's, you know, and you hate talking about this because so many people are affected in different ways. And there are people that have had some terrible things happen in their family. I believe that at this point in the game, Herd immunity is probably already, you know, really road shotgun on this thing. And that's that's why. It, it, but when they when the mainstream media continues to pump out analytics on surging and things like that, it's just it, it's hard to make people positive. And it just it, I think they're unduly scaring people. Now, if you're a senior, you got underlying health conditions. Um, yeah, you should probably go get vaccinated. But remember, they rushed this thing through. Yeah. <laughs> this thing's only been out. Like seven months. I mean, do you really feel comfortable doing that? I mean, my parents did I, it already. I, I wouldn't. My parents have What's already that? done it. My parents, they've already done it. Yeah. They're 80, 83 and 82, and uh, they got it right away. I don't know. My dad was kind of funny. He, well, I don't know if it's funny. I thought it was funny. I was like, yeah, you know, there could be some, some consequences Side down effect. the road. And he was like, yeah, I'm not going to be here. So I don't worry. <laughs> I'm not worried about what's going to happen 30 years down the road. I, I'll, I'll be fine. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but, well, uh, I mean, uh, so far, I mean, I, I know, I know how younger people are like our kids and I know what they're doing and, and they, they haven't had any coat and they live in Metro areas where there's, you know, the sirens are going off all the time. And, you know, they, I mean, it's, but at your island, I mean, we have neighbors over here at the fire pit every night, and we don't we don't really worry well, too much. That's, so. that's good. Glad that's I good live for you. I, and outdoors, I yeah. think, is a huge thing. But anyway, we, that's enough yeah, talk about out, that. Outdoors, clean air, um, clean living. Yeah. So, so let's get back to the content creation. Do you ever um, like you've been doing this for for a while? Like you've had flats class on for fifteen years. You've been doing the different. Um, types of educational things kind of ancillary to that for a while and then really putting the focus on it in the last year or two. Do you ever run out of content ideas? You know, I don't, I don't, I try. I, there are times when I want to, what I call do overs. Yeah. I want to do do overs. You know, you'll, you'll pump something out there and talk about an all around of just, just for instance, something generic like a fishing rod. What's the all around best spinning rod? But then technology and everything <laughs> yeah. changes five years later. And, you know, you got a different modulus rod. you got a different Spiral X type of technology that gives the, the rod a little bit more action, a little bit more sensitivity. So it gives you the opportunity to regurgitate that, that video and do it better. 
and talk about some of the stuff. But there's always like Z-Man's always coming out with stuff new. I mean, they come out with with fresh stuff every year. I got to hand it to that crew there because they'll come out with 15 to 20 new baits, uh, new colors, and, and gives you something to talk about. Um, but no, I do not because I, I, I think I take for granted what guys of our age know. Uh, we just go about our business when we're on the water and we just think that everybody knows what we know. I know. But- That's a funny thing because I I find myself like asking even even my wife and my daughter and like like we I just had my my whole family. We were all fishing together and um after the week was over, I was like, Did anybody see something that they didn't know how to do or had never seen before? And it was funny to see what people were saying like, you know, but I asked people like my wife or daughter, like, because they're a little further away from it than me. And sometimes you're so close to it and you assume that everybody knows all these things and they don't. And sometimes that's the best stuff. Like I have, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's the most basic knot, or maybe it's something that you would think is just not something that anybody would be interested in. And that takes off like that. Oh yeah. But it's hard sometimes when you're so close to it and you've been doing it for a while and you're, you're trying to create this, this new content, you're looking at the, at the furthest extremes of, of, of what's going on when sometimes it's right in front of you is what, you know, might be the best piece of content. One of the, the cool moments that happened uh, probably about two or three weeks ago is I was out with a client and I'm sitting on my, I, I run up to a zone and I start pulling and I get up to the zone that I anticipate the fish are going to be there. Uh, but it's a big flat between two keys and there's a couple oyster bars wanting to pop up. So I, I put my push pole in the T-board clip and I just sit on my pole platform and I just start staring out there, sitting down. He goes, so what are we doing? I go, well, we're going to sit here and we're going to watch because I want to just see where the fish want to be first. I'll see where the mullet are. I'll see if I can see a tail come out. We're just going to sit here and kind of just watch stuff for 10 minutes. And then I'll have an idea of what I want to do because I don't know where to start. I don't want to spook anything. And he goes, really? And I go, yeah, (laughs) you don't do that? (laughs) No. Well, and I was like, I always do that. I like to, I like to just kind of hang out there and kind of just see where all the activity is on the flat first and see if there's anything that's just going to happen. And then I can kind of get in tune with it and move slowly that way. And I think that's what they're really amazed by is how slow I like to move and how I like to fish. Cause I don't like to make any noise. I mean, even putting the push pole in the, in the sea bottom, you know, people are always in a hurry. They're making so much noise. It's making noise coming out of the water. It's making noise because they're throwing it back down into the bottom. And where we live here, there's so much limestone underneath a very thin layer of mud and grass that that foot always makes noise and it resonates through that push pole. So here it's like, you got to set it down softly on the bottom and then gently push and then walk it up slow and look around and then slide it back in and then touch the bottom and then push again. And it's hard for people that pull all the time in sand and grass and just mud to, to understand that you can make more noise with that, that damn push pole. You sure. can with a trolling motor. Oh, yeah, you're for not sure. careful. For sure. Yeah. I always thought like when we first started fishing trolling motors in, in the Florida Keys and, and you know, not many people like there was a, there was a, uh, like with the tarpon fishermen, they used to use trolling motors and then everybody kind of got away from it because 
for, for all kinds of reasons. And then nobody used a trolling motor for a long time. And then we started using them after we had seen the effectiveness on the redfish tournaments, brought them back down there. And it was incredibly effective because I kind of always thought that what is the, what is the last thing a fish hears before it gets caught on the flat? And that's something associated with the push pole, like, like what you're talking about, like clicking on the bottom or any, any sort of a push or a noise that's associated with that push pole. They hear that they get caught. Now they have a negative association with that. If fish are that smart, I think they are. And then um, you eliminate that and you use a trolling motor on low and man, we were, we were literally driving right up to the fish, like they um, bonefish and permit and tarpon. And it was like, they just did not recognize that that was something to watch out for. It, it is, it, you know, I've all, I've always been anti troll motor. Hell, my own logo has a push pole yeah. in it because I believe that's the quietest way to move down a, a, a piece of water. But John Oliverio at power pole, they, they have, they have a trolling motor now and it will, it, it would have been out if all this stuff wouldn't have happened, but it'll be out this year for sure. So this, this trolling motor that he demonstrated to me, it has more of a titanium, uh, uh, it doesn't flex. Hmm. So the, the rod itself that goes down the water doesn't allow any vibration because it's just rock solid stays there. Then the prop itself is, is like a bull. There's no flex in it at all. It's very hard to get a nick in it. Remember when we used to fish oh, yeah. tour using trolling motors all the time, didn't matter what brand you were with, those plastic trolling motors would get a nick in them from hitting a waster or hitting the bottom or whatever. And then it would pick up a blade of grass and then it would have this unnatural, right. unharmed I used to keep a file. Balance that would, I'd keep a file to, yeah. to straighten all that stuff Just out all the time. All the time. Um, I was with him with his trolling motor and I could not believe, I couldn't hear it. I couldn't feel it because that's the stuff that drives me nuts is hearing noise. Yeah. I mean, when I'm filming, we have a camera boat and I hear that camera boat and I'm in a hell's bay that's so mm -hmm. quiet and I'm pulling. And when I hear that camera boat, that's literally two boat links away from me with plop, plop, plop with a trolling motor going, squeak, squeak. and I'm like, Jesus, this is going to drive me nuts. I mean, I'll never get through today, but I got I got to admit that move trolling motor that power pole has, that's a pretty quiet troll motor, and I've already made a commitment on it now. My little boat will always be, you know, a push-pole boat. And I'll make my Marquesa a push-pole boat at times because you, as well as I, we know that there's a certain depth of water a trolling motor really works well in. Mm -hmm. And if your boat is designed to go in seven to nine inches of water, well, a trolling motor has a hard time being effective in that mm -hmm. because it sucks air from the top or it starts to dust up the bottom. But if you're going to fish two feet of water, you may as well use a trolling motor. And a, and a bigger point, boat, too. I mean, like, why yeah, not? Yeah, and a bigger boat, be comfortable. And 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 at, at that point, I mean, you're going to catch fish. Yeah. If you've lot, got the you right know, trolling motor. We're, we're sitting here. We both have multiple boats. It's it's easy to say that. A lot of people, you know, they yeah. want to do both. And they want to have a skiff with a trolling motor. And maybe most days, maybe they don't even use the trolling motor. They, they push it all the time. But then there's other days where they're fishing a little deeper. I, I get it. Um, you know, power pole, like, man, they have come out with some of the coolest stuff. The thing that I like right now is the, um, their, their charger. Are you using that on any of your boats? Oh, charge. That, that thing's, I mean, you, 
you have no reason ever to have a dead battery. It There's, it's impossible to have a dead battery with that with that charge. It's unbelievable. I mean, yeah. I, I've had it now on a couple of boats, and that you know the way that they have it integrated with the app, and you can kind of look and you can see the um, the condition and the levels of all your batteries. You can change the priority. So, like if your if your start battery is one hundred percent, and your trolling motor batteries are now at thirty percent. And you're going to take an hour run. You can change the priority. As soon as you start that engine, you really don't need the start battery anymore. So you don't want any current going to that. You can change it and move it over to the, to the. Right. And, and you drive all those amps right to your trolling motor Right batteries. to it. And then you get there and it's like, well, now I'm back at 65%. And then we've got the, um, the lithium batteries, lithium yeah. pros. And, and those things charge so fast, like 50% faster. Than, yeah. than the other batteries and super light. I don't know. Everything's just gotten better because that was always like the, that was the limiting factor. Like if you're going to fish a bay boat in Louisiana for one of these tournaments, it's like, man, you better make sure you would have a nightmare that you weren't getting charged at night. Yeah. Like what if we showed up at the, at the boat ramp and we were dead there, you, yeah. would, you would be, you're, you're, you're you were done. done. Or if you only yeah. had 50%. Charge, yeah. you know, you're done, yeah. and then then you're going to run two hours, and and you're still dead because it it you're not getting any charge there. That I think is one of the the biggest advancements in. I mean, you know, certainly oh, and, the power and, pole was something that that changed fishing. It it changed fishing so much because now it you you make it possible to fish a a larger boat because you can stop. That was huge. That was huge. And, and and the other the other frightful thing about all that is we have electronics running, we had live wells running. You know, you have all this stuff running um, that's draining that main house battery. And some of us would have to have two batteries, yeah, two me. house batteries, because we didn't want these these fish to expire. Um, because you don't want to kill fish unnecessarily, and, and then you take penalty in those days. But uh, but with with the charge, there's emergency startups, you know, yeah. so we have all that draw off that one house battery. And now it's like even if the house battery is dead, the charge has an emergency feature in it where it will crank the battery up. You'll you'll probably get two or three tries out of it and you'll get it. Out running. Yeah. I mean, if it doesn't draw from the trolling motors. Yeah. It's so just it's just it's an, awesome, ama- it's an amazing tool. And then Amazing. you got like when I well, I finally got it hooked up. I didn't have it hooked up right because I didn't know how to do it. But um, now I have the app to where I can control both power poles individually from my phone and see the battery stuff and see all of that right there on the on the uh, on the phone. Like there's a there's an app there, and most people have their their phone in their pocket all the time, so it it's even easier than the than the remote control. Like I, I mean, it's just. It's awesome, man. The way that they do that—that's—that's that's another company that kind of embraced embraced technology. Because I mean, really, he made a he made an anchor. He made a a better anchor, and that's like the most that's like the most prehistoric piece of equipment there is. Like an anchor. Like how do you yeah. get more more like basic? Well, than it doesn't anchor? get any more primitive. No, than that. I mean, so he took that and he's like, let's make an anchor that you could deploy anytime and and do it quietly done he did that and it was it, it was revolutionary for not just saltwater fishermen but then when the bass guys got a hold of it dang man 
Now there's two mm-hmm. on every boat. Oh yeah. When, you know, when I think of John, I've known John for 20 plus years. When I think of John, I always thought of John as he's a super smart guy. He's smarter than all of us. He's a good fisherman, but he's really smarter than all of us. Um, but as, as our friendship and our professional relationship has grown and I use him sometimes as a sounding board because I'm a knee jerk guy that will sometimes say or do something I should not do. (laughs) And if I have an inclination thinking I might be making a mistake, he's one of two people that I call and say, Hey, what do you think about this? Because I know John would always do the right thing. That being said, his integrity is such that he will not release a product uh, that he would stand. Anytime I go anywhere, I drive a wrapped power pole, 2,500 HD truck. I go anywhere. Everyone walks up to me and I'm like a hero. They don't even know who the hell I am. I could be a bass guy or whatever. They walk up and they're like, man, you guys are the best at power pole. You guys always come through for me. I've never had a bad experience. And that's an awesome feeling. And that's because the warranty, the the feeling of you're covered, they got you covered. If something doesn't work, they're going to give you a new one. Um, And no one has that. And John's always made sure the integrity of the product and and just the craftsmanship is a number one. And I've watched him go from working over there uh, under a pole barn that fine line Marine or at his house at times when Robert Shamblin, the VP, was doing that with him to where they are now with 120 odd plus employees. And it's just, it's, it's amazing to me. I go, I remember when I knew everyone at PowerPoint. Now I go there and I'm like, who are all these fresh faces? Well, I mean, and everyone can, knows can, me. You can honestly like remember the when old guy. you can remember when there wasn't a power pole. It's funny because we started the conversation talking about Ryan Lambert's lodge and you going up there and just down the street is uh, is the lodge that I would go to, Anthony Randazzo's Paradise Plus. Right. And I can remember going up there and pre-fishing for these Louisiana tournaments and John's there and he's fishing in the tournaments. And, yeah. you know, there, there was not a power pole at that time. There was maybe a prototype. And he's like, yeah. you know, outside showing people like, let me, let me show you how it works. And, and some people are coming by going, I don't know, man, I, you know, that's, I don't know. And then other people are embracing it immediately. Like that's the best invention I've seen ever. And, um, and then, you know, it, I, I use him and Yeti really as two examples when somebody says, you know, I've got a great idea or that's a, that's a million dollar idea. And I'm like, is it really like, what, how is it a million dollar idea? <laughs> because, because you, you saw this too, but both Yeti and, and, uh, power pole, like, let's just take power pole. John had that idea and he worked on it and tinkered with it in his garage and, and made it perfect and, and just kept tinkering with it and changed it and altered it. But it, it wasn't like all of a sudden everyone had a power pole. It was, it took no. years and he went to every boat show, every possible place that he could go and demonstrate that product. He heard people say, oh no, it'll never work. He heard everything you could ever hear. He got some positive reinforcement at times, I'm sure. And, uh, and he just kept going, you know, for like 10 years, five years, every boat show, every weekend, there's a show. And the same thing was, was true with, with Ryan at Yeti. I mean, you'd see him at those shows just sitting on a cooler. And, and so like when my kids say, I got this idea, I'm like, well, let me tell you how an idea actually comes to, to, to make, you know, a company 
And that is yeah. about 10 years of, of really hard work that nobody sees. And then all of a sudden, you know, you hear, oh, you always hear that, you know, he's a overnight success, 20 years in the making. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, and that's, exactly. that's kind of like power pole because like all of a sudden, you know, power pole was kind of pretty well, um, embraced. Everybody was kind of on it in saltwater, but no, no one really had two power poles, maybe a couple, maybe, maybe you'd see it like a couple of times, but then the bass guys got a hold of it. And then everybody has two power poles. Now, now most saltwater boats have two power poles because it's so, it works so well. But I mean, that's when it seemed like, what is this new product? And it's like, well, man, that guy's been busting his ass for 10 years, you know, to get it. To yeah, get he's, you a, to notice he's earned every damn dime he's ever made. Yeah. He really has. And, and, the, and the best part about John is he's still one of us. When you, when you spend time with John, it's like John's unchanged. He's unchanged. It's just like we all were 20 years ago. Yeah. He's the same guy. He's the same guy. I love that about him. He's yeah. a great guy. He's, he's been great for my brand. He really has. I always say they're an anchor sponsor for flats class. And I really mean more than just the anchor. <laughs> the anchor sponsor. So, they are an anchor so you'll, sponsor. You'll, 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 You'll you'll always hear me uh, sing the praises of Power Pole and the guys over there. And the, I think a, a, a lot of the stuff I have respect for with John and his group is the fact that he promoted within the within the company itself. So there are guys I'm not kidding you that were putting Power Poles on my skiffs 10, 15 years ago. They were putting and they run the company now. Yep. Those guys are in executive positions there making executive decisions. The guys that were putting poles on my boat just 10 or 15 years ago. And that is how you build loyalty within the company. And, and they have a DNA that's just so strong. Those guys would do anything for John. I mean, they're like Spartans over there. They're not, they're never going to, well, that's them. good leadership. It's like the, I call it the power pole mafia, Tom. <laughs> I mean, the only way you get out of power poles feet first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's a good place to be. I'm sure of that. That's a that's a good place. Oh, have you yeah. seen other other um what other success stories have you seen like that with sponsors? Like for the company, Z Man is one. I mean Z Man. Z Man would have to Z Man is definitely one. You know, when I look at Mirror Lore uh, and how they've gone about their business, that's a brand that's been around for 60 odd years. And they have done everything traditionally. It's all about tradition at Miralore. And then you go to Z-Man because you grew up with your grandfather through Miralore, your great-grandfather probably through Miralore, and your dad through Miralore. You look at Z-Man and you look at how fast they have grown because of the innovation there and the pro staff they put together there to help develop new baits. And then the material itself, the Elastec material, I've got you sitting up here on my fly bench right now. So I got <laughs> fly material, but, um, but the stuff, it, it's amazing to me what Z-Man does and the, the ability to market it and sell it as science and, and their own integration of their own social media. They do all kinds of stuff on YouTube, how to stuff. Um, I really like being around those guys and Z-Man really, when they came on the scene, remember they were an OEM company for Strike King. When we were both at Strike King, yeah, both of us were at Strike right. King, uh, they were making their product for them. And they had kind of a no compete. But once that ended, um, Jonathan Zucker, who I was taking red fishing and tarpon fishing at times, said, anytime you want to change jerseys, you feel free. We'd love to have you over at Z-Man. 
And I took him up on that a few years later. And that was, that was one of the biggest moves I think I ever made. Hmm. And uh, I have remained, you know, their saltwater guy, especially for inshore. Now we have Carter on board, but I love, if you're going to share, you know, the spotlight with anybody, it may as well be Carter Andrews. The guy, the, the guy is just, he's, he's amazing. Giant voice. His personality is bigger than him. Yeah. It's like, uh, you can't imagine I feel like that's I'm, possible. Yeah. I feel like I'm around someone that should be in a reality show in Alaska. And he, you know, and just the stuff that he does, his everyday stuff seems so exciting. And I was like, damn, I'm a boring dude. Dude, Carter's, you know, I, Carter's been in his own reality show ever since I met him in Jackson Hole yeah. when we first started guiding together. Um, Good God. He's, he a, he's just a, he is a he's super just one of those character. kind of guys that, super character. He's going to be successful even if he's not good at anything. Just because people want to know who Carter Andrews is. Yeah. And I asked him one time, I go, so, you know, so what, what, what's, what are, what is there a specialty? Are you good at anything? He goes, no, I'm not really good at any one thing. I'm just kind of okay at everything. <laughs> he's, he's pretty good at a lot of things. Uh, Carter. One thing I like about Carter is that he, he, you know, that something that I've, I've been trying to work on myself for a long time and he does too. And I think it, it brings, it comes back to like, both of us are from Tennessee, but Carter believes in being a complete angler. Like, Fly fishing is something that he cares about greatly. It's me too, you know, but it's a tool and, and you got to be good at that, but you also need to know how to troll for a blue Marlin and rig baits right. and, and deep drop and, you know, everything like throw a bait caster for, for largemouth bass. And, you know, I mean, you remember oh, Carter, Carter used to show up at the redfish tournaments when, you know, and he was kind of like, I got to figure out what all this is all about, you know, and, and he would kind of show up there and fish a tournament or so. And, and, uh, but he, he wants to, he wants to be good at all kinds of fishing and not, and, and one fishing isn't better than, than another fly fishing is not, not better than not, bait fishing. Not to him. I, Crickets on a bobber or not, but not worse than something else. Like it's all important. He, he was kind of the heir apparent to Jose's, per, you know, uh, persona as far as being a versatile saltwater angler that he does kind of everything. Yeah. And uh, biggest mistake I did is not becoming a bass fisherman. I should have been a bass fisherman. I wanted to be a bass fisherman and I ended up being an inshore guy. But, uh, but as much as I do like to fly fish and as much as I do like to go out here and do a little bit of offshore fishing from time to time, no matter what I do, I'll always be the guy that is the inshore guy. And I know I can't paint myself out of that, that, that thing. So I'll have a lot of people, why don't you do this? Or why don't you do that? It's because I have a base that expects me to teach them a certain thing. And that's what I do. So it's, it's hard for me to get out of that. You know, it's just, you know. Yeah. But on that, the other hand, you know, we, there's some, there's some great examples of people that have gotten out of it that were much more entrenched than you like much more the king of being super entrenched and doing something different and being successful at it is Bill Dance with his saltwater oh. show. I mean, Bill yeah. Dance saltwater show, uh, upon the hearing that that was going to happen, most people were like, what? Like, what, is it going to be bloopers or like, what is this? <laughs> but, but there, I think today, like, it kind of goes back to the, to the, the theme of the conversation that we're having of kind of embracing this new media and embracing these different forms of connecting with your audience. And there's a real 
I mean, that that's like the number one thing of a lot of these YouTube channels, a lot of these Instagram pages, a lot of these podcasts are like, you're doing something that you're not comfortable with and you're taking all of these people with you to kind of experience what what's happening. So like if you decided that you were going to, you know, fish in your first sailfish tournament or you were going to learn how to, you know, do something that's way different, trout fish, fly fishing for trout, I don't know, whatever it is that you've not done before, and you were to create content around that, you're going to bring this whole audience of people that are like, man, CA is just like me. I'm an inshore guy. I've kind of always wanted to fly fish for trout. Let's see how he does, you know, and it's a, it's a great opportunity for you. I mean, I don't know if you should feel like you're, you're just so entrenched because man, when you're, when you start creating these content and, and you could do it, like you could do it like a, like a little 10 part series. And it's like, I'm going to go out West and I'm going to figure out what all this is about. And you do a 10 part series and it either does well or it doesn't. And then, you know, okay, well, I'll, I'll tell you a little story about that. Uh, I don't, I don't know if you remember my first fishing partner I had on the tours, Scott Fair, Captain Scott Fair. He works okay. for Powerful. Okay. So Scotty, he ended up moving out to Whitefish, Montana, and he invites me out there. And we did a, we did a little deal uh, at his house. We had some remodeling stuff that we were going to work together on, but he was going to take me on these float trips. So we went up to Glacier and we did these float trips and we're fishing with, I'm used to fly fishing with anything from a seven weight to a 12 weight for doing saltwater fishing. Yeah. And he hands me these little buggy whips. We're throwing four and five weight rods for these little cut bows and things like that that are yay long they're tiny fish but it's all you know ginked up ginking up little floater flies yep. and and pitched them out there and i'm sitting there and i'm stripping this line out in the, <laughs> in the bottom of the boat and i'm sitting there and i make two false casts and i shoot it out there and he goes it's got to be in the seam where it's in the foam line and then you mend it because you don't want any tension on the line and i got all that stuff i was like how in the hell do you see that fly I was like, I can't see it. He goes, well, first of all, you don't try to throw it like you're trying to catch a redfish. You throw it close to the boat so we can both see it. <laughs> yeah. That's when I knew. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. But by the end of that first run, I had caught 18 fish. Yeah. And it was like, wow, this is a lot of fun. Now, I will say it was so beautiful there that I wanted to put my rod down constantly and, and take pictures. That's all I did was take pictures of all the wildlife and the scenic overlooks and it was beautiful. The whole thing was beautiful. But uh, but I remember that vividly. I was like, how do you see this stuff? I mean, I can't even see it so Man, tiny. Let me tell you, I, I just got back from spending some time with my boys out in Montana. And both my boys are out in Montana. And uh, and they love to hunt and fish out there. And they're, they're, they've gotten to be really good fly fishermen out there. And, and so they take me. And that's that's how I started my career was was fly fishing in that area. And man, the flies have gotten so much better, so much better, like <laughs> than they used to be. Because I was a young man, and I, you know, when I first started guiding, I was twenty years old, and I could see great, and I could see a fly from forever away. And most of my clients are just fishing, like with braille. Like I would say, set the hook, and they would set the hook, and and they were amazed that there was something on there because it's like. Dude, I can't see anything. Like, there's a whole bunch That's of right. little white specks no, out there, and no, I can't see anything. Guy. You, you actually <laughs> saw that? That's amazing. But you know that, like a, the the fly would be like a parachute Adams, which has a post that sticks up that's made out of calf tail, and um, uh, and it's just like a white 
little white hair. And that was like the cheater fly that you could see that because the regular Adams would have feathers that are, that are like black and white and they they're totally camouflaged. The fly is gray. I mean, good luck seeing that thing. And uh, now, man, there's all these foam and these posts that stick up that you can see really well. The 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 hooks have bigger eyes on them. I mean, it has gotten oh, they way needed to do better. that. I mean, you couldn't you you could you'd sit there and you're 15 times and then if you drop, God help you if you dropped it if you're on the riverbank or something yeah. like that. You drop it, you're like, hand me another one. That's one, of, that's one of my dad's favorite <laughs> stories. I mean, I took him to Flat Creek in the National Elk Refuge, and we're fishing there, and 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 I like to go there late in the afternoon, and I take my dad and. Man, this is this is approaching, you know, 30 years ago, 20, 20, 25 years ago. So my dad was, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't, you know, he's in his late fifties probably. And uh or or uh early sixties. You know, he wasn't like an old man. And uh I hand him like a little tiny box of flies, and there's some flying ants in there, there's some size 20 parachute atoms in there, there's some tiny little flies. And um, so I, you you would walk this creek and you would actually see a fish. And then you would set up and they were really hard to catch and you would set up and you would work this fish and you might change flies five or six times before you would, you would catch this fish and that drift had to be just perfect. And then you would get the drift just perfect and the fish would come up and it wasn't the fit fly that he wanted. And then you're like, oh man, we got to go through that whole thing again. Finally make that right cast and hope that it's the right fly. And finally you'd catch this fish. Well, I look back over my shoulder and dad's just sitting there like you were taking pictures of stuff and looking around. And I'm like, what, what is going on? Is he not seeing any fish? So I sneak back over there and you can like crawl on your belly and, um, um, you kind of crawl on your belly and you get there and, and I'm like, dad, what's going on? he's like, Oh, I, I dropped my fly somewhere in here a while back and I can't find it. And I'm like, well, did you get another one? He's like, well, I was afraid I'd I, afraid I dropped those too. So I just thought I'd just sit here and, and I get it. And I put it on so lightning fast, you know? And, um, and, and get him back in, in business. And I look over there a minute, a few minutes later, and he's, he's looking at the mountains again. So I lost my, <laughs> lost my fly. You know, we're fishing like six X tippet, seven X tippet. It's tiny little tiny one and a half, two pound test. And it's easy to lose your fly. And you know what? I always laughed about that. And I'd tell that story and give him a hard time about not being able to see. And then I went out there this summer with my kids and, and I haven't had to get glasses yet. I see you're wearing glasses oh. I don't know when you started wearing glasses, but I haven't had to get them yet. And everybody told me it was going to be 40 and I'm 52 years old and I haven't had them yet. And I'm very thankful for that, but it's not because I don't need them necessarily. I have one <laughs> eye that sees really good far and one eye that sees really good close. And so I went to the optometrist and he was like, well, we can cure everything with three different pairs of glasses. And I was like, man, I can't even carry around one pair of sunglasses. I was like, what if I don't get glasses? And he said, well, can you see, you know, can you, can you do everything you want to do? And I was like, yeah, pretty much. And he goes, well, then just do that. But anyway, I have to borrow my wife's reading glasses to tie these tiny little flies on. And it was this summer, my kids were giving me a hard time about it. Like they were like, dad, like you used to tie a fly on so fast and now, like, what's taking you so long? And I was like, man, I've just, I got to get these damn glasses out and look. And oh, I mean, yeah. that stuff is so small. And I don't know. I always, when I was 20, it looked so huge. And I just couldn't understand how anybody could have a hard time with it. But now uh, it's happening. I, I, I see it, dude. I, we have a shooting range outside in the back here because we got a bigger piece of property. And I'll be up there. And if I'm wearing my glasses, 
I can't shoot worth a damn. And I have an 82 year old, 81 and a half year old father-in-law that outshoots me back there. <laughs> what kind of shooting? Like pistols or rifles? Pistols or and or rifles, rifles, but mostly pistols. Yeah. And he'll outshoot me because he had his eyes done. He had the lens put oh, in and everything yeah. like that. He, I'm better off taking my glasses off and because I can still shoot distance. Like if I'm at 75 feet, I can shoot without my glasses on. But when I get closer, I kind of need it. And then I, I need it when I'm closer so I can operate my guns yes. because I'm always squinting and holding it away. And it's just, it's wearing glasses sucks and <laughs> I won't do contacts. And I've had several folks, you know, doctors that, you know, they know what I do and they appreciate what I do for the fishing community. And they're like, Hey, you need to come down to Miami and get your eyes done. And, and it's just, I've got a little bit of astigmatism. I'm, I'm just afraid to mess with my eyes. Yeah. I well, I mean, there's, there's definitely something to that. Do you, are they, they want, you want LASIK? Is that what that, they say? Yeah. That, that, that's what I, that's what I would do is I would, I would do LASIK and, and, and be done with it. But we'll, you know, I'm, and people are used to seeing me with glasses now. I've been wearing glasses for five, six years now. And, uh, uh, oh, man, I like you with your glasses on. I like you with your glasses I was like, well, I can't see crap without them anymore. Um, and, I ha- and, and I do have many pairs. This is the latest progressive pair. But, I mean, I have all kinds of colored pairs stashed everywhere all over this property because invariably I'll be somewhere settled down. I can't find the ones I came out with. And right. I got to have another pair. <laughs> I have them in my shop in the other room. This is, uh, have you just, seen those? Uh, have you seen that? Oh, you said you don't watch TV, but I've been watching a little bit of TV and there's this commercial about, I think it's, I think it's progressive insurance, I think. And it's about, it's about being careful because you're becoming your parents. And, and there's like all these little, there's like all these little things and, and they like, it's like a hot button. It's like, that's what your dad used to say. That's, you know, here we are, we're talking about the fact that we can't see and, 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 our bodies falling apart, just turn into a couple old dudes. Oh, <laughs> dude, my, my kid, Cameron, he's got two full-time employees. All these guys went to high school together. So they're a bunch of 21 year old guys. They sit in his house. They've got whiteboards up. They've got Apple or, you know, custom built computer processors with multiple screens. It looks like a war room there. They're all doing editing film, um, making Facebook ad. They do all this stuff that I, I could care less about. It's like, man, if I had to do that, I'd never be out here doing being me. Um, but Cameron, that generation loves to FaceTime you mm-hmm. or get you on a screen to talk to you, you know, no matter what. That's that's every call is that call. It's not just an audio call. It has to be a FaceTime call. So he'll FaceTime me and it's a speaker and he's got his guys working in there and he'll just he'll just say, hey, Pops, what do you think about this? And he does things to instigate me to say something. And I'm like, well, that's stupid. Why, <laughs> why would you think that? I, and, and my favorite expression that I know they laugh their butts off is you guys don't know shit from apple butter. I mean, there's just no way. I mean, what would make you think to do it that way? You know, but these are the these are the smart kids that run my business. Honest to God, ask them to change a tire; they're they're in trouble. Yeah. How <laughs> many times? How many times do do you tell them that that they don't know what they're talking about, and then they come back and it works? Oh, that's that's kind of a routine thing all the time. Like there there was all like the whole YouTube thing. I didn't get the YouTube thing. I used YouTube to learn how to change the air filter in my air handler hmm. or 
it's like trying to try, trying to find where the connections are on a solenoid or something like that. I used it all the time, but the fishing videos just seemed a little bombastic, lots of music, fast moving stuff, kind of for the younger, younger viewer. And I really didn't see that big a value in it. But as time has gone on, I see a gigantic value in YouTube now. And in fact, um, you know, we're getting YouTube TV just because she doesn't want to pay for the cable anymore because we never watch TV. And what a what a so, good thing that was for me. I, I saved a ton of money uh, yeah. going to YouTube TV, and it's it's easy. I mean, I think that you I think you can see more things. Like there's more than cable, and we save like over a hundred dollars a month getting YouTube. TV. Again, it's it, it's a habit, and. Uh, and if guys in our age group are seeing the light, and I know there are people older than us that that have been doing this. I mean, a lot of people are cutting cutting the cord. Yeah. And what are and what are these cable companies going to do? And what are these media distributors that reach out to us to put television shows on? What are they well, really going to do when when you can find all this stuff on the internet and you know, that's, that's the thing, you know, what's the future? Yeah. I don't know. What do you think it is? Because I mean, you're embracing this, this new future, but you're, you're not, you're not just jumping away from the old future either. Like you're, you're, I, I, I do that. I, I, I don't jump off like the, the network that we started on only for the fact that I know there's an audience out there because I know how her parents are that they'll always have cable and yeah. that's going to be their thing. They're, they don't go to the internet. It's just they're older folks, but that's only going to be for so much longer. And, and then it's all always going to be digital. And I see that happening. If you would have asked me five years ago, it's like, Oh, that's way off. Now I think it could be next year, the year after it's just mm-hmm. going to be that way. And I think the neat thing about doing thing digitally is it's measurable as well. The analytics are unbelievable that we get. I mean, um, those guys over at Waypoint that you're you're with, I mean they they give us those analytics, and that that's a value to people that partner with me to know who the audience is. Who have you is been Have audience? you been happy with that with the growth that you've seen there? I ha- I have been. I've been happy with that. I mean we we've gone through some through some struggles just because we're cha- we change production teams and things like that, and it it kind of made a big hiccup for me. Um, if I didn't have that going on, it, this, it would have been seamless. Yeah. But anyhow, you know, one um, of the things that, that in, in my embracing of the, uh, of the new, uh, ways to communicate with people, I started this text thing. Like I'll just throw it out there right now. You can text me at 305-930-7346. And when I look through like all the people that have joined this little community, um, it tells me all about them. So I would think like if, if you were to say on your, on your program or your YouTube or whatever, Waypoint, whatever, like text me at this number, what do you think the average age of people that would text you would be? I would probably think they'd be younger than me. It would be less than the 55 group. Yeah. Well, here's, here's just a rundown. 38, 50, 50, 57, 53, 41, 51. 46, 40, 59, 40, 48, 65, all, all those kids that are 29. Already yeah. I mean, there's it. definitely some, there's definitely some twenties and stuff in here, but there's, there's, there's some seventies. There's some lots of sixties, lots of fifties. And I don't know. I think that is actually 
kind of kind of interesting because you would think, okay, when you do this, you're doing it to appeal to the younger people. But the funny thing is, is like people our age in their fifties, people in their sixties, people in their seventies also find that this type of communication, watching things the way that, that we're putting them out there on digital or listening to podcasts is actually easier and they prefer it no matter what age they are. Right. And it's, it's just, I, I don't know. That surprised me because well, nothing well, else I, that I, I have. I, 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 I think the appeal honestly is it's on demand. Yeah. I mean, because you can watch it on your schedule, right. watch it on your schedule. If it gets interrupted because you got to go do something, you just pause it. It's no big deal. And you go back to watching it later on. Yeah. And then I if mean, you're really into something like all of a sudden it's the season and you want to learn how to fish some type of way or whatever, and you've got an eight part series on that, man, they'll burn right through that. And then they may not watch a video for three months. Like yeah. they'll go enjoy that information that they have instead of waiting. I don't know. It's, it's such a, a different world. Like it, it is really kind well, of, like, I'm, I'm guilty of it too, Tom. I mean, I'll, I watched that meat church guy, you know, learn you? How to do barbecue. Hey, you know what? Hey, I'm going to get him on the podcast because do you, are you a big fan of his? I'm a fan of his. So I, I have love, a, I, love watching I have a connection to him. Yeah. And uh, yeah, man, one of my best friends is his neighbor at the lake. They have lake house. They have houses right next to one another. And that guy tells my friend, come over here like, and try this thing. And he says that he feeds him every time that they go there, every time. And it's got him into cooking and he's all about like barbecue. And when, when they, they came down and fished with me and they caught a bunch of stuff and, and they tagged meat church on there, like right away. And then he, he tagged it on his, his, uh, account and i mean that's a very popular if i had the meat church guy living next to me i'd need a cardiologist on the other side you would <laughs> you would because man he cooks some good things doesn't he I god mean, i love i love watching that stuff that's one of my that's one of my favorite i love watching mike Rowe. mike Rowe is one of my one of my guys i love watching his listen to all his stuff he's just one of those sensible dudes that's just if someone said that Mike Rowe was going to run for president. I do. I've spent every nickel that I had a spare nickel to make sure he got elected. The guy's just unbelievable. <laughs> no, but you, you already said that he's a smart guy. Like, yeah, he's not going to do that. Like, why? Yeah, that's right. Who, <laughs> so who would why would you want to do that? Why would you want to do that? I, I try not even to think about stuff like that anymore. All I do is I, I've got X amount of time on the planet Earth, and I'm going to help people catch fish. And that's what I do. And I enjoy, I, I have found as I've gotten more seasoned instead of saying older, that when I have spare time, I go fishing for me now, where before it was the last thing I wanted to do. It's like, Hey, I got so much to do. I've got to do so much, but I'm actually turning into that guy that I'll call one of my buddies around here and say, Hey man, what are you doing on Wednesday? I don't have anything to do Wednesday. And my wife said, we're at that point in our marriage where she'd rather just see me go do something. <laughs> right. What changed? What do you think changed? I think, um, I think you feel that there's, there's time that's running out and that you can't let time slip away like it used to. Um, I see it as, as the kids are growing and they're busy and they're busy the same way that I was busy where it's hard for them to find time. And I was, I was one of those dads that was gone a lot. I really was gone a lot. So it was a big cats in the cradle kind of thing because my kids are too busy now too. They're always yeah. busy. Hell, my kid is up here today working in, in the county that I live in um, for another guy today doing some on-water shoot. And 
I was like, well, if you want to just come on by the house, we'll, we'll put some extra food on or whatever that I got to get back. I got, I'll be working until two o'clock in the morning. And that's what I used to do. How yeah. old is Cameron now? He's 21. 21. Really? I thought He's he was 21. a little bit older than that. He's really killing it, man. Dude, you have no idea. That kid drives a car that costs $90,000. Wow. Yeah. And so he's working for you, but then he's also got this other business that he's, that he's, he, he does, he's a marketing guy for 40 or 50 different companies. Mm. Um, some of them are air conditioning companies. Some of them are fishing companies. Some of these, some of these companies are just stuff that you wouldn't, you, 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 they're just regular stuff, landscaping businesses and things like that. And he runs all, he does all that stuff, real estate companies, so he does all the marketing and social media management for all those companies. Did so he he's study always that? No, he Cameron when Cameron was in high school, he was in a magnet program called Future Business Leaders of America and he was naturally one of the star kids in that that class. So much that he won the high school salesmanship award where he competed with everyone in the state and he won the state of Florida for being the best salesman. Wow. They sent him out to California to compete nationally. Wow. Um, so he was always that kid that was a good, a, a kid that could sell you your own shoelaces. And he was always a hustler. So he started this business when he was in high school. That's why it's grown so much. It just didn't happen in one year. He was doing this in high school. And it's just, now it's like a real business. Now it's like, I'm forcing them. It's like, because, you know, I'm only going to school, Dad, because you want me to graduate. And I go, that's right. And you remember that. <laughs> but it's an interesting thing, though, when, like, with, with my kids, they're, they're kind of, they're not, they're not sure what they want to do. It sounds like Cameron knows exactly what he wants to do. And, and, and they, you know, my kids are the same way. They ask about, like, why do I have to go to school? I'm like, well, you really don't have to. I mean, it's kind of a get to, not a have to. And uh, if... Do you do you know what you want to do, and are you making a living doing that right now? And they're like, no. Said, so, well, then then you should be going to school because you, you should be going to school. You don't know what you want to do. Like Cameron, that would be a hard conversation for me to have with with him because he's killing it. And yeah, he, and he'll always work for himself. And, and or going to angel and, yeah, angel invests in other people now. Right, but going to school seems because, like a waste of time for him it, because he has a he's on does. the right and track he knows what he's and doing hopefully tom he is not listening to this yeah. podcast how much this. how much more school does he have though <laughs> what's that he's much, got another year and a, about a year and a half to uh, he can do uh, i think that i think the the danger period is over like now to, yeah. to drop he's got, he's got he's got he's got enough invested you know my my daughter jazzy jazzy is about two years, two and a half years older than Cameron. And Jazzy, when she she was in she was in the culinary arts program, another magnet program nice. at the high school. And we just thought she won scholarship money, baking cookies and making deconstructed cheesecakes and all kinds of stuff. Uh, she used to make cakes for a lot of my wife's business friends, and they were paying her 200 bucks to make these cakes. And they were very ornate, you know octopus on them and just crazy <laughs> stuff. She's super talented kid that way. So she goes off to school and she goes and gets her two-year degree in culinary arts. And then we move her to the four-year program so that she can get a restaurant hospitality management. And that's just not her wheelhouse. You know, long as it was the creative stuff, she was strong. As soon as it got into where we had to do math and accounting and all that stuff, all that stuff fell apart. Well, we wasted another three years and here we are 
today, January. Um, she is a welder what? in a pipe fitter's union. Yes. Really? Who would have who would have imagined? That's what she does. That's... She works at Cape Canaveral. Uh, and she goes, it's just like baking cakes. You do the same motion, you know. <laughs> wow. Well, and I'm like, welding is a great, great. That's a great field. I mean, how do I argue with it? You know, it's not my dream for her. My dream was she runs a food truck or whatever and, and or, or ends up with a cupcake company in some little town. Um, but no, no, I've got a daughter that drives around in a 10-inch lifted truck, you know, <laughs> um, She's probably going to be making $300,000 here pretty soon. Oh, yeah. Jeez. Especially if she's yeah, working and, at Cape Canaveral. God, that's yeah, probably... she's worked, she's worked, she's well, she that's where the unions put her over there. But I mean, that's what she's that's what she does. She's now she's welding. She's this is her first year doing it. So it'll be five years before she's making serious money. But to start out in a trade like that, you make pretty damn good money per hour. And you're working 60 hours. A week because 10 of your hours are classroom hours on the weekends. Yeah. So I mean, there's not a lot of downtime. You get to save all your money. So was there ever was there ever any um discussion of either of them going into the fishing field? No. Because, would you have encouraged <laughs> hey, it? No. That's why. I discouraged it. Yeah. I did. I was like, this is such a I was so lucky to be in the right places at the right time to be who I am and flats class to work the way it, it was almost, and I've said this a million times, I can't decide if it, it's a country Western song soap opera. It's, <laughs> it's, one of, it's one of those David Allen co-songs that everything works out. You know what I mean? You can't screw it up. Um, but if it didn't work out that way for me, everyone would have said CA Richardson was man, what a waste. That guy was such a smart kid. He should have done this and he should have done that. And I threw it all away to be a professional fishing guy. And when I see young men today, they'll walk up to me, Tom, and they'll say, oh, I want to be a fishing guy. And I was like, are you, are you in school right now? Yeah, I go to, you know, I go to UF or I go to UCF, you know, I'll meet these kids at these events. And I go, get your education and keep fishing fun. But then every once in a while, I'll meet a kid who I know absolutely positively needs to be a fishing guide because he's got nothing going on. Uh, one, one kid in particular was a, a little pier dock rat down at a marina that I used to work out of for tarpon season. And he was running around. It was like last week of April. He's running around and he's probably about 13 years old. And uh, I go, Tanner? shouldn't you be, shouldn't you be in school today? And he goes, no, sir. I go, why? And he goes, cause school's out. I go to Lutheran. I go to the Lutheran school. I go, Oh, you guys are out this early. Really? Hmm. I go, what kind of grades do you get Tanner? He goes, no. Uh, what, what did he say? No D's, which tells me he's barely a C student if he's willing to throw out no D's. No D's. I say, welcome to the fraternity. And to this day, I'll bet you he's a fishing guide right now. I guarantee it. And there's there's another young guy here in town who is now probably one of the premier guides. And when I first met him a few years ago, I had him on the show. His name's Brandon Branch, Captain Brandon Branch. And when I met Brandon, I was like, God, he's such a fresh face, you know, just so young and just his dad's a, a VP at a local bank here and everything like that. So I'm like, so 
Are you going to do this? He won the actual, the high school championship for bass fishing for the state of Florida. Wow. He won it in Lake Darnell, you know, in a team event, but kid's just a natural fisherman. But after fishing with him a couple of times, I know he's, he's doing what he'll need to do for the rest of his life. He'll never be, that's what he's going to do. Now it's my job to keep helping him make the right decision business-wise so that it works out for him because you know how vulnerable we are as fishing guys. Sure. Environmental impacts, uh, economic impacts. There's so many things that can affect your guide career unless imagine. you're willing to travel and move around. Yeah, this year's got to be one of the hardest years to have been a fishing guide ever. I mean, yeah. we, I mean, there were so many people that were, had full schedules and then just no one shows up. Like that is brutal and nothing that anyone no there is no book that you could have possibly read no person that could have said hey you know they might say hey you know you might get a lot of bad weather you know you know you, you know that's a reality no one could have ever imagined that it would be like well you know your books full from march and th- until you know october and what if nobody not. shows up yeah. And you're like, why would no one show up? Like, I don't know. I mean, because of something we've never experienced before. And, you know, for a lot of people that happened. It, yeah. Oh, or, I know. Or something those similar. Guys, the, those guys in Southwest Florida, remember all the red tide issues they oh, had yeah, down man. there around Fort Myers, Estero, all that stuff? Well, they had just gotten over that in 2018. Then we had, you know, some some hurricane issues and stuff. There was always something messing with them. And then this happened. There were a lot of those guys that are out of business forever. They're out of business. Well, I hope that they, you know, can can figure out another way to make a living or or to um, or to you know see what, it return somehow. You, you know what they say, Tom? Behind every great fishing guide is a woman with a great job. <laughs> <laughs> except in my case, except in my case, I, I had uh, my wife and I decided that she was going to stay home with the kids, and that put even more pressure on on uh on me they you know they uh, a lot of people have said you know how'd, how'd you do so well with the fishing it's like dude i didn't have any choice i didn't have any gladiator mode <laughs> <laughs> well listen man i know you got to get back to those uh the the, uh, the pine my, straw my pine needle bales out here yeah well i wanted to get to um the where where people can can reach you, find you, see you, learn from you right away, because I knew we were going to talk about a lot of that kind of stuff. So I apologize. I didn't get that right in the beginning, but I'll definitely put it in the notes. So make sure that you go over every place that people can find you and support what you're doing. Uh, I'm the easiest guy to find, Tom. Go to waypointtv.com. We got all kinds of products on there. Our podcast is on there. Our Flats Class University is on there. Our television show is on there. I mean, that's the best place to find us. I'd go there number one. Number two, I'd go to all of our social media platforms and just type in Captain C.A. Richardson or type in Flats Class. You're going to find us there. YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter for now until they censor me. <laughs> <laughs> all that COVID talk, you never know, man. You might be next oh, on the no, list. Oh, no, no. They, they, they censor me. If, if I identify with being American or anything like that, they take me down. I, I lose there all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I gotcha. I gotcha. Well, listen, man, it's been great to catch up with you. You were one of the original guests on the podcast and, uh, I know that a lot of people wanted me to have you back on. So I appreciate your time and, and, uh, letting us catch up with you and what you're doing. Hey, Tom, you're the consummate pro. You really are, buddy. You're Thank one you. of, you're, you're one of, you're one of the guys who's the real professional in this industry. 
There's uh, not too many of us, but you're definitely one of them. Oh, I appreciate that. I'll take all the compliments I can get. Thank you. <laughs> but you know the real reason why is because I don't have a choice. I got three kids. They're all in, they're, they're in college. And they're all in college. We got we to do a good job. All right, buddy. You have a good time in your yard, and uh, we will see you soon. Okay? Thank you, Tom. Thanks. <laughs>